Hello, this is Brother Jim Ellis. I want to thank you for once again visiting our podcast for Dispensational Ministries. This is the first lesson of what we expect to be five or more lessons in some much-needed character traits for living life in this age of the grace of God. I hope to cover some 30-plus character traits, which all have their origin in the basic principles of the Word of God for living our lives in this current age. In the fourth and fifth message, perhaps sixth in this series, I will list all 30 character traits and attempt a brief exposition of each particular trait. These studies are meant to be taken as a whole in this series. Many questions that the listener may have, I hopefully will be answered throughout the entirety of this study series. This study will also be available in written form at the conclusion of these audio uh, study series. You can email us at dmbcga, that's dmbcga at gmail.com, and we'll be glad to send them out free of charge upon your request. These character traits are not so much righteous standards of conduct as they are necessary traits for surviving successfully in this world and advancing our lives in this age of the grace of God. These traits became necessary due to the change God brought about in his transitional change from the kingdom doctrines of the law to the pure grace of God in this age. Before we get into an exposition of each individual character trait, I think it will be wise to offer some explanations of why these traits are so vital and necessary in this age and lay some biblical groundwork as to their biblical origin. These first few messages will serve as a prelude to our exposition of each of the 30-plus character traits for living under the grace of God. These are traits that our Lord expects of us as His people, and there are uh, as well traits we must employ in our everyday lives if we are to advance and often survive in this world. One of the key tenets of dispensational theology is that of change. There are seven distinct periods of time in the plan and program of God for mankind, and these seven distinct periods of time, known as ages, are revealed in this Bible. One of the chief characteristics of these seven ages of time is and has been that of change. Change in the plan of God as to what He requires of men and women for faith, that is what they are to believe for eternal life and their practice. How we are to live our daily lives. God never changes in His attributes concerning who and what He is. But the way He deals and has dealt with mankind through the ages and what He requires of mankind do change from one age to the next. This element of a change is seen in his dealings with mankind in each of the seven distinct ages or dispensations as are revealed in the Bible. We currently live in the sixth dispensation. There are five that have come before us. There is one more to come when this sixth age of the grace of God has ended. All responsibility 
is to learn to rightly divide those seven ages and come to understand what God requires of us in this particular age that we live in. This age, the age of the grace of God, began some 2,000 years ago in the writings of the Apostle Paul. The age which came before our current age was known as the age of the law of Moses, which involved a major promise of an earthly, literal kingdom on this earth. The doctrines of that age extended through the early part of the book of Acts, which includes the first four books known as the four Gospels. That age ended, and God ushered in a new age of change, which has been in effect for these last 2,000 years, and that is known, as I said, as the grace, the age of the grace of God. In this message, I want to look at the element of change which differs from the plan of God for the Jews under the kingdom age and the kingdom doctrines of the law and that of the grace of God that we live in today. This message will be kind of a prelude or companion message to the next several messages concerning the value of character traits in the age of grace. God made some dramatic changes in the transition from the age of the law and the promises of his coming kingdom. And that change has made the character traits that we will speak about absolutely indispensable for us in this age. The age of time, which came before the age of grace that we are currently living in, were characterized by faith by the way of the seen things you could see by sight. We now live in an age which is characterized by faith in that which cannot be seen. In ages past, God allowed men and women to have faith through the miraculous signs and wonders that he performed through other men and miracles that came down to men directly from heaven. The miracles that Jesus and his kingdom apostles performed provided faith to men and women by sight. In other words, they could physically see those apostles do miraculous miracles and signs and wonders. Now in this age, our faith comes to us in a different manner. We are now required to believe what God has told us is true by faith and not by sight. But it is not blind faith. It is faith in his confirmed and preserved word as it has been preserved and revealed in the Bible. In the Bible, there was a transitional time that took place between the age of the kingdom apostles, that is, the ministry of the 12 apostles from the four Gospels and the early book of Acts. Those 12 apostles were kingdom age apostles. Their doctrines and ministries related to this literal earthly kingdom. But God brought about a transitional period of time from the ministry and message of the kingdom apostles and his establishment of this age, the age of the grace of God. That period of time is recorded in the book of Acts. Once that time ended, a period of about 40 years, the age of the grace of God became fully established and the age of the doctrines and practices of the kingdom came to a close. They ended. Our Lord, through that transition, brought many changes, changes in doctrine and changes in what is expected of us in our everyday practice. 
One of those changes was our need of certain things like self-reliance due to the nature of grace. Those who were living on the statutes and principles of the kingdom doctrine of the 12 apostles were being guided by kingdom principles which greatly differed from the what the Lord has given to us in this age. They were living their lives under the principle of heaven on earth. God had promised the Jews way back in the book of Deuteronomy that if they were faithful to him, he would bring heaven on earth to them in their daily lives. In that heaven on earth, their every need will be taken care of and supplied by the presence of the Christ of God. In the Old Testament prophets concerning the future kingdom, the Jews will not even have to worry about plowing their own fields. Others will be charged with those tasks. The Jews will enjoy an unprecedented and special position in the coming kingdom. Their every want and need will be met by the reigning Christ upon the earth. Once that kingdom is finally established, their material wonders, or worries, I'm sorry, will become a thing of the past. They will never have to give any thought or preparation for any of their future physical material needs or their own safety or any other normal provisions of living, provisions for life and living, which we must now be concerned with in this age of grace. The things that we must be concerned with now for just surviving in this world, they will not have to worry about it. The presence of the Christ upon this earth will make sure that they have everything that they need in material form. That attitude and prospects of life is reflected by the things the Lord Jesus preached and the way their lives and the ministries of the twelve were conducted in the early part of the book of Acts. Jesus Christ made promises to those men and women which were distinct promises given to them for a particular purpose. They were given in a distinct period of time to a distinct group of people which have nothing to do with those of us who are living in this age of the grace of God. Some very important practical matters in our everyday preparation for living have changed in this age of grace from the age that the original 12 apostles were sent out to preach. If you are familiar with our dispensational ministry and our lesson studies, you understand the differences between the message and ministry of John the Baptist, the earthly ministry and message of Jesus, and the original 12 apostles, their ministry, and how it differed from the message and ministry of the Apostle Paul for this age of the grace of God. Their message and ministry was centered in the Old Testament offer and promises of a literal earthly divine king and kingdom, which the God of heaven would establish, oversee, and administer. Inside that kingdom, the Jews would be given some very distinct preferences. They will enjoy heaven on earth in resurrected bodies. The offer of their Christly king and kingdom was rejected both in the Gospels and in the early part of the book of Acts. When that final rejection took place, the Lord instituted and established a new age or dispensation which has been underway for 2,000 years. In this new age of the grace of God, many things were changed by our Lord. From what was preached by the Lord Jesus and during his earthly ministry in the 
12 apostles in their kingdom offer to the Jews. They changed in commensurate with this new age, both in doctrine and what's required in our daily practice. There are now certain traits which are necessary in this age of the grace of God that will not be so much necessary to those who will live in that future physical earthly kingdom. You see that the kingdom disciples could give away all their means for acquiring material wealth and goods. They could sell the land that they relied on for planting crops and feeding their families in the days ahead. The 12 apostles could reasonably forsake their jobs and professions as as fishermen, which actually provided for their future material needs. They could live together and share all things in common without having to give thought to the coming years. They could do that because they were living under the hope of the promised kingdom and heaven on earth. They did not have to worry about keeping the very things that would ensure them the ability and means for acquiring wealth and material goods. Now, why was that? Because of the promises which were given them under the coming kingdom. Allow me to explain briefly what I mean by means of acquiring wealth. By wealth, I do not mean excessive riches that bring luxury. I'm speaking of that material wealth which is normal and necessary for surviving in this world. There are just certain things that you and I have to have that are absolutely necessary to live and survive. Wealth, such as food, clothing, shelter. See, being wealthy can be to be subjective and depending on who's defining wealth. A single seed planted in the ground, which will eventually grow into a stalk of corn, which will help feed our family, is a means of acquiring wealth. The land in which the seed is planted is a means of acquiring wealth. A boat and a net which allows a fisherman to catch fish to feed his family, those are means of acquiring wealth. A plumber or electrician and their tools are means of acquiring wealth. Without the proper tools, neither could work in the trade for which they uh, work in to accumulate income for supporting the needs of their family. It's impossible for an electrician to install an electrical system without the proper tools. Those tools would be considered means of acquiring wealth. The nature or overall conditions of the age of the coming uh, promised earthly kingdom would be vastly different from the now present age of grace. The nature of that kingdom can be characterized by the promise of heaven on earth. One does not have to be the brightest bulb in the string of bulbs to know that what we have now is far from heaven on earth. Remember, Jesus told them to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. My friend, conditions in this earth are nowhere near what they are in God's heaven. Tragedy, heartache, tears, death, disasters of all kind happen in this earth as daily occurrences. But that is not the case in heaven. 
One day out in the future, the Lord Jesus will return to this earth and declare his literal, physical, earthly kingdom to be in force. He will establish a kind of heaven on earth inside that kingdom. The paradise on earth, which was once the intended purpose of creation, before sin entered into the picture of mankind, that paradise on earth will then come into being. The book of Isaiah is one of the primary books of the Bible for understanding the promises God made concerning the coming kingdom and the conditions which will exist inside that kingdom. Isaiah 43, 18 says, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. He created it not in vain. He formed it to be inhabited, that is, for people to live on. I am the Lord, that verse says, and there is none else. You see, God's original purpose for creating this earth was for it to be inhabited by human beings. Human beings who inhabit this earth in their original form as a paradise or type of heaven on earth. That purpose was placed on hold by the entrance of mankind's sin. But in the future coming kingdom, his original purpose of creation will once again be reinstituted inside that kingdom. In the narratives of the four Gospels, the king, the Lord Jesus Christ, was present with them on earth. He will once again be physically present when that future earthly kingdom is established. He will make sure that those who live inside that kingdom and every need that they have are taken care of. They will never have to let, uh, to worry about laying up his store for the future needs. The king will always be present to provide for their future needs. That was the promises that were made in the Old Testament to the Jews. And it was the promises that Christ made to them in the four Gospels. This is why Jesus said some of the things that he said to them, or actually all the things that he said to them, in the four Gospels. In the book of, the, of Matthew, let me begin reading in Matthew 6.25. Matthew 6.25 says, Therefore I say unto you, and these are the words that the Lord Jesus spake to the Jews in his Sermon on the Mount. Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into the barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are they not much better than they? Which of you taking thought can add one cubit unto a statue? And why take ye thought for raiment, that is, the clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toll not, neither do they spin. That is, they don't provide themselves any clothing. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, is God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewith shall we be clothed? 
for all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. He tells those Jews, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. These things being the material wealth, the physical safety, the things that you're going to wear, that you're going to eat, how you're going to be clothed with, uh, next year, next month, what you're going to put on the table in the days and years to come. Everything a person or family must have to live life on this planet. Jesus told them in Luke chapter 14, verse 33, So likewise, whosoever be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. He said in Matthew 19, 27, Then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all, and they had, and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that he that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in his or in the throne of his glory, ye also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And every one that hath forsaken houses, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my name's sake shall receive a hundredfold, and shall inherit everlasting life. These promises were never intended for the age that you and I live in. These promises are virtually impossible to be observed and practiced in this age. The fixed nature of this current age will just simply not allow for a heaven on earth, not now anyway, Some come to these verses and make a sincere attempt to apply them to their life in this age. Many honestly try to live their everyday lives by these basic tenets under the kingdom age doctrines. But as I will explain further in this study, they are impossible in this age to live by. Some others attempt to use them as an excuse to be indolent and lazy. Oh, I just live for the day and they never make plans for tomorrow. After all, tomorrow just may never come. And if it does, I guess it'll just take care of itself, some say. I will worry about tomorrow when and if tomorrow comes. As a result of this indolent philosophy, they wander through life, barely getting by, and looking to other people who do give thought for tomorrow to take care of and support them. Planning for the future is just not in their vocabulary, not in their thoughts or their plans. Oh, if they feel like getting up and going to work, maybe they will, or maybe they'll just skip work altogether. Maybe they will lay money aside to pay bills, or maybe they will blow it in some concert or vacation. Maybe they'll think about the future plans to learn a trade or get an education for a future career, or maybe they won't. They may become so entitled and indolent that they begin to criticize others who do make plans for their future needs 
and others who acquire some measure of material wealth to put towards their future survival needs and the future of their families. Some of these indolent people may go so far as to accuse those who do make planning part of their life and preparation part of their lives, to accuse them of greed and selfishness and a whole hus- uh, a host of other unjust and critical demeaning terms. These people mistakenly feel that they are completely justified in taking from, maybe even stealing from, those who have worked and labored for years to acquire what they have earned. In the minds of the indolent, it is just not fair that men and women who have made preparations for their future material needs, who have worked hard to acquire those material things, to them they just do not feel like it's fair that they have more than they If you're the kind of person who is and has been careful to make plans and preparations for the material wealth of your family, of you and your family, if you have at least in part attempted to apply the traits that we'll be talking about in this study, then you have been following some basic dispensational principles to the exclusion of those kingdom age principles. Maybe you have not realized it, but you are living by some grace age principles for this age of grace, which are very different from the kingdom age principles that are found in the four gospels. If we were to follow those kingdom principles, those principles which were laid out in Matthew 6, if we followed them to their literal conclusions, we would not be allowed to own such things as savings accounts, no pension plans, no retirement plans, no refrigerators or freezers. We could not plant fields with crops for future harvests or lay up food in store for our future needs. We could not make future plans for eating or clothing. Shelter are the things we all need for surviving the future. We would all have to quit our jobs, give away all that we have, and set off on a journey for life inside that kingdom. That is what was literally commanded of these Jews in preparation for that coming promised kingdom. If we follow those rules now in this age, and when we give away all that we have, we would then need to depend on others to take care of us. We would become 100% dependent on the welfare and charity of others for our material needs, well, at least until their material needs are depleted. And when the other men and women's material goods have been depleted, what then? How do we survive tomorrow? We would then become the poor, which are spoken of in the Gospels, and preached about by modern social gospel preachers. If these kingdom principles of wealth were practiced by everyone in this age, over time, there would be be nothing left but poor, indigenous, starving, homeless people who are completely devoid of any means of acquiring wealth or goods. They'd be people who were barely able to survive from one day to the next. The normal definition of poor is the absence of material substance which are necessary for surviving life in this world. If we gave away all that we have 
as these men and women were commanded to do in preparation for the promised kingdom, we would all soon become the poor. The poor that the Bible speaks of in the Gospels. But in this age, manna does not fall from the sky, fields do not plant themselves, and money does not grow on trees. Not in this age of the grace of God. The principles of Matthew 6 were perfectly legitimate principles for that kingdom age. They were perfectly in line with the promises God made to Israel for his coming kingdom and Christ's offer of that kingdom. But something changed in the plan and program of God. A new age has now been established, the age of the grace of God. In this age, we do not have those kingdom promises. They are not our promises. We cannot live by those kingdom promises and expect to be magically cared for materially or physically. We live under a different set of rules. Yet many who have not understood the differences between this age and that which was taught in the Gospels have been lulled lulled into a kind of apathetic life of expecting God to do for them what he has commanded us to do for ourselves. They are attempting the little lives of so-called faith promise that has not been given to us in this age of the grace of God. Those faith promise type claims range in all variety of degrees from a mild form to some very extreme, devastating forms. It is now in this age of grace extremely important that we give a great deal of thought towards exercising everyday preparation, planning, and personal initiative for our daily needs. This is the age of the grace of God, where we are required to be self-motivators, self-starters, maybe entrepreneurs, but at least enterprising in many ways, people who have initiative, ambitious to an extent, practice goal setting, and then worked hard towards accomplishing those goals. In the early book of Acts and under the kingdom program, those things were not nearly as important for those kingdom Jews. Something very critical has changed from the life principles of the kingdom apostles and God's now grace. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul said, But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. In the previous verses, Paul had been speaking about the other apostles, the 12 original apostles. He says here in verse 10, But I labored more abundantly than they all. Paul was making some statements here which convey this grace age principle. Paul was not being demeaning or critical of those apostles or bragging about his own efforts. He was laying out a transitional principle for this age of the grace of God that changed some things in our daily preparation for living. That principle is our sincere need of things like Self-reliance, self-motivation, self-sufficiency, 
resourcefulness, inventiveness, creativity, planning, preparation, hard work, working towards accomplishing goals. All these traits must be employed in this age in our lives, but they also must be tempered by the principles of the grace of God. These traits are necessary in this age of the grace of God. They were not so much necessary to those who were seeking in the establishment of the kingdom. This change became necessary because of God's change in dealing with mankind from the seen to the unseen. And I will explain more of this in this next study. The very nature of the kingdom ministry of Jesus and the 12 apostles in the Gospels was centered in that promise of heaven on this earth. That is not the nature of this current age of the grace of God. In the next message in this series, we'll talk about the nature of this age of grace. God bless you. Thank you for listening. May the grace of God be with you all.